Indoor air quality from pollution, mold, and radon. We talk about it all and why schools need to be proactive in addressing concerns rather than reactive on this episode of the ISA podcast. Welcome to the ISA Podcast. My name is Jason Neville. Our topic today is air quality. My guest is Jeffrey Faust, Vice President of Environmental Consultants. Jeff, thanks for being here. I just want to start out, uh, if you could just say a little bit about yourself, Environmental Consultants, and also the partnership that you've had with IESA over the years. Sure. So for the last 30 years, uh, our firm has worked mainly in the Illinois schools, and we've provided help with such services as indoor air quality and asbestos issues and things like that. In 2007, our group partnered with the IASA to help school districts in preparing and implementing indoor air quality programs for schools in order to better promote a healthy indoor environment for students and our uh, staff. The reason that we uh, wanted to do this podcast, what kind of sparked it was that schools were receiving uh, Freedom Information Act requests uh, in regard to air quality. That's not going to be the focus of our whole conversation today, but I think we need to give kind of a little bit of background on kind of what's happening with schools with FOIA requests. Sure. So just recently, uh, as of about November 26, there was a statewide uh, request went out for school districts, public school districts, to provide their latest indoor air quality and environmental testing reports for their schools. The uh, FOIA request goes on to say that they are seeking the actual reports that include mold spore sampling data at each of the schools, Uh, may also need to redact certain portions of, of said reports, but they're looking to find out in essence, have you ever conducted any indoor air quality or environmental testing at your schools? And if so, they're looking for access to your most recent reports. Now, given it's a statewide large collection of data, can you talk a little about maybe just some concerns that you might have about where this could all lead? Sure. Uh, over the last 20 years, there, there have been several attempts to pass indoor air quality programs and mandate that for the schools in our state. Uh, perhaps something similar to the asbestos programs that the school districts had to go through in the late, late 1980s and early 1990s. Uh, obviously, this is not a regulated industry at this, at this point, so this is really more of a risk management Uh, issue for school districts. But our assumption can only be that if folks are requesting the previous environmental reports from school districts, that this is going to be used in a broader broader use to perhaps uh, help prepare policies for schools in our state. When we talked on the phone, you said you thought that this could be potentially be a good teaching moment. Can you just just talk about the importance of why schools need to be proactive now about air quality? Thank you, Jason. Uh, Since this is a a non-regulated issue at this time, I think it's important that school districts, and it's our chance to remind school districts, that since the mid-1990s, the U.S. EPA has put together guidance programs for school districts to follow in, in ways to better manage their buildings to promote healthy indoor air quality in our schools. 
And because it's not a mandate, because it's guidance, uh, it's one of those things that often gets overlooked. As folks are putting together FOIA requests for information on how you did your environmental testing in schools, I think it's imp important that we get back to the basics and understand the basics as to what makes our schools healthy and strong for both our scholars and our staff. A little background on what schools are required. Are there requirements for air quality tests? If so, how often? There are not requirements for indoor air quality testing. Uh, usually it is part of a response action, perhaps, you know, a uh, parent complaint or a, uh, a teacher's union or staff member complaint, something like that. So currently it's just a reactive process. You kind of alluded to uh, the Environmental Protection Agency, but I want to spend a little bit more time on uh, the tools for schools program and what that's all about. Yes, thank you, Jason. Since the mid-1990s, the US EPA has put out guidance documents for school districts on how to better manage their buildings. The primary tool, uh, pardon the pun, of, of the US EPA has been, has been what they refer to as their Tools for Schools program. And that program has some very powerful uh, points in it, and it's certainly worthy of each school district to take a little bit of time, download the information, and research what's going on. When you get into the mission statement of what the US EPA is, is trying to promote, it's really empowering school districts to understand the factors that negatively impact indoor air quality and what they can do internally to help prevent these problems. As I stated earlier, a lot of the indoor air quality testing that's done is done in response to something that has already happened, whether it be a concern, complaint, what have you. And in this case, what you're trying to do is actually build and promote a healthy indoor environment to, to avoid those issues. So really, you know, we're in the middle of football season right now. And when you look at your defense, there's, there's this person or two that plays free safety or strong safety in the NFL. And that person's job is to make certain that he does not give up the big play. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about with school districts here, is having the tools and the wherewithal to see the fields and have a vision of what's going on to prevent those major indoor air quality concerns turning into something that would be costly, potentially impacting student health, and things like that. It's, it's really a matter of having great vision of, of your playing field. What does the research say about some of the main benefits for having good air quality in schools? Two key points for the Illinois schools, and, and I'll reference the Harvard study of, that was conducted in 2020 during COVID, because COVID really exemplified a lot of what we're talking about here with uh, promoting healthy indoor air quality in schools. But two key items, Jason. One is uh, the reduction in absenteeism, which, as we all know, we want, we want higher percentages of, of kids showing up for school every day. So that is a critical issue. The more the kids uh, can attend school, the better off we all are, both them and, and the school district. And secondly, it shows about a 20 to 30 percent increase in uh, test score averages and things like that. You know, whether or not that's linked to the fact that they're attending school more or not, I do not know. But that's what the experts have been saying. And uh, those experts have been saying this for about the last 30 years, but the Harvard study done in 2020 really helped validate a lot of these, these uh, comments. You, you mentioned the pandemic and COVID. You've been in this business a long time. 
how much more of a focus did COVID and the pandemic uh, have on getting school leaders to think more about air quality? And then I also having federal dollars available to all new air air purifiers, HVAC systems, et cetera. Sure. Uh, great. Yes, the, the uh, US EPA Tools for Schools program really shifted to the forefront with the pandemic. And that is because schools, you know, as well as restaurants and every other public uh, entity out there, they're all trying to find out, you know, hey, is it safe for us to have this building open? And that's really what the US EPA Tools for Schools are all about. That's what they're preaching is how do you make your buildings more safe? So we look at things like air exchange rates. We look at pollution sources. We look at how to mitigate uh, contaminants such as COVID. So the, 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 unfortunately, the pandemic you know, was a difficult time for all of us. But on the other end, uh, having access to the ARPA funds and the ESSER funds and things like that to promote better indoor air quality uh, could not have come at a more important time. So we're, you know, now we can focus on virus mitigation. We can focus on the mitigation of other pollution sources in our buildings, and we can in, uh, increase our air ventilation exchange rates in a matter that helps promote healthy schools. I want to do a few questions related to tips and strategies for school districts. Let's just start with like kind of, is there some low cost tips that you have uh, for school districts on an, on improving uh, air quality? Sure. Yeah. Uh, indoor air quality can basically, uh, at, at its lowest common dom- denominator, be broken down into two segments. One is pollution sources, and the other is your mechanical system's ability to mitigate those pollution sources. So from the building management perspective, school districts that spend the extra time and effort to understand their mechanical systems how to get the maximum amount of uh, air exchange rates in their schools, and how to promote better and more consistent indoor air quality throughout their schools, they will, they will always succeed or have a better probability of succeeding at least um, in these scenarios. The other thing, the other side to that equation is understanding how to manage and control your pollution sources. So I, I just left a meeting a couple minutes ago where we were dealing with things like uh, unneeded space heaters in uh, in areas that obviously uh, the b- mechanical systems were functioning fine. And in that agreement, we were all in agreement that uh, in this case, we need to cut down on that. And we need to have a policy that helps do that. So if you can control your pollution sources and work on your mechanical system's ability to mitigate those hazards, those are really the two key strokes that we would recommend and promote to our school districts. How about uh, mold growth? Where does that usually happen and what are some tips uh, for school districts to avoid mold issues? Sure. So mold growth is usually one of two scenarios, at least in schools in, in Illinois. One is you either have an active leak that has created the water source uh, for which the mold is is responding to. And in those cases, it's just important to understand, um, to mitigate or address those water intrusion issues. You know, if you're seeing stained ceiling tiles, it's really nice to replace the ceiling tile. Uh, but if you don't fix the, the source of the water coming in, you're just going to have another stained ceiling tile. So at the end of the day, you know, we try to assist schools in making certain you identify those those concerns so that they do not become a bigger issue down the road. If you leave those ceiling tiles in place too long or you don't fix the water problem, uh, you will perpetuate into mold growth. 
The other mold situation that you see in Illinois schools happens very, very frequently the end of July, August, early September. And that's, that's one of these catastrophic events that we really work with our school districts on to try to prevent. And that is when you have sustained relative humidity inside your schools, when you have sustained levels of relative humidity at 60% or higher, and you have it for a consistent period of time, you are likely going to promote the growth of Aspergillus penicillium and other types of mold. So we work with our school districts consistently to be aware of that, that in late summer when the high humidity levels are outside, that we're taking steps to increase ventilation in our schools, reduce humidity in our schools, uh, to prevent those fuzzies, uh, mold growth, from starting in our schools because once it starts, it's very, very difficult to stop that process. And more importantly, it's very expensive. So we work with a lot of our school districts uh, to help make them aware that in the extremely humid months of July, August, early September, uh, that they're aware of their humidity levels in their schools and that they're taking active steps to control the humidity levels in their schools. How about radon tips, strategies for school districts on not getting high, high levels of radon in buildings? Sure. Um, radon is a, is a difficult subject to, to manage at times. It, it is not a requirement by the state of Illinois, but uh, radon has certainly been around for a long time. It is certainly linked to different types of cancer. So it's important to understand that it is a pollutant that would ideally be managed in your schools. It is fairly simple to go through with radon testing to understand what your levels are. If your levels come back in excess of four picocuries, then it's probably time to, to address remediation steps. The basic remediation steps for addressing radon in schools is increased ventilation, which ironically ties in nicely with, with our previous conversation about that's how we control a lot of pollution sources in our schools. So while, what, while radon is currently not regulated by the state of Illinois for our schools, the best way to address it is to test, learn what, learn what your levels are, and then prepare a ventilation system to effectively remove that pollutant from your school. I just want to close with uh, any uh, final thoughts on this issue, Jeff. We would encourage all schools, whether you have access or to funds or not, we would encourage all schools to go to the US EPA website and download the Tools for Schools kit. In the Tools for Schools system, it, it teaches school districts how to preventatively and proactively manage your buildings to avoid indoor air quality concerns. If a school district wants to do more than just the Tools for Schools kit, our firm can certainly assist them with custom plans to uh, better promote indoor air quality in their schools. And also we can work on methods for uh, ways to pay for it. But uh, most importantly, we encourage all the school districts to go out there, download the, the US EPA Tools for Schools kit, get started, and I'm sure everybody will learn uh, something valuable out of it. And I'm sure uh, we will all do a better job of promoting healthy schools and good indoor air quality. Thank you, Jason. All right. Thank you, Jeff.